grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, today we'll be talking about grief. And it's very relatable because everyone has experienced grief. Because everyone has experienced a, a loss. And some losses are, are big. You know, a, a death of a loved one. That's big. It's just a huge loss. Relationship. You know, divorce. Uh, a child that just wanders away. And there's grief because there's a loss. Loss of a job. It's a big loss. It's, it's devastating. Or loss of income and economy tanks. And there's just a huge loss. And there's a grieving time that you go through. Some losses are not as big, but there's still a time of grief that you go through. Uh, empty nest syndrome, right? You've heard the empty nest syndrome. That's just a different type of, of loss. And that's a loss that our family is going through right now because my daughter's off at college. And we, we call her up like, Emma, we miss you. And Emma says, Dad, I miss you too. The food here is horrible. <laughs> so you miss mom's cooking. Oh, no, I miss you too. Yeah. So uh, for Thanksgiving, you come home for Thanksgiving? No, I'm going on a mission trip to Mexico, Dad. Oh, honey, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Are you ever getting homesick at all, Emma? Ah, oh, no. <laughs> so sometimes that emptiness syndrome, it's, it's a one-way street. But there's still grief. There's still a loss there. Midlife crisis. You ever heard of that one? Midlife crisis. Everyone goes through it. Men worse than women, typically. But all midlife crisis is, it's a time of grief. Because there is a loss taking place. There is a loss of time that you're recognizing. You're like, oh my goodness, I, I've lost time here. There's a loss of ability. And things don't work like they used to work. There's a loss of, of hair. And you grieve that. Although I haven't lost mine, it's just slid down my back. <laughs> you didn't need to know that. Anyway... Uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, next slide please, Dave, quick. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she talks about five stages of grief. And we're going to walk through those five stages of grief. And the first one is, as Dave hits the button, is denial. Denial. It's, it's hard to believe the loss has taken place. There's a, there's a shock element. You're like, I can't, I can't believe this happened. I, I don't understand. I remember when my, my grandma passed away. And my mom called me up and she said, Jace, uh, Grandma passed away. And I said, Grandma? Because we had been preparing for Grandpa to pass away. Because my grandfather was in very poor health. <laughs> in fact, for the past six Christmases, my mom had said to me, Jace, you better come home for Christmas. I think it's going to be your Grandpa's last Christmas. For six years, right? After year four, you're like, come on, Mom, seriously? He, he's fine. He's not great, but he's fine, right? So she said, your grandma passed away. I'm like, grandma? And she said, yes, your grandma passed away. I'm like, grandma? I mean, grandpa? No, no, no. You're my poor mom. She had to say it over and over because I had trouble grasping that grandma had passed away. I've been preparing for grandpa to pass away. And there's a denial there. 
Or sometimes there's a, a, a certainty of a return to normal, right? Like if there's a loss of relationship, and you take every glimmer of hope as a time to text. A lot of late night texting going on when you're in the denial phase. Like, hey, we're getting back together, right? You know? And there's this denial. The next stage is, is anger. And anger can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. Sometimes you get angry at the other person. Sometimes even if the other person has, has died, and you can still feel angry at this person, which is really weird, but it, it's very, very common. Sometimes you're angry because they didn't tell you soon enough, and you get, oh, you get so mad. Or sometimes when there's a loss of relationship or a loss of job, you get angry at the other person. Sometimes people get angry at those who don't take their side. This is super common. There's people in the situation because they're kind of stuck in the middle and you get mad at them because they're not on your side. There's anger at God. My, uh, my first act as a pastor, I was a pastor in California for a lot of years, and I got ordained, and the very next day, uh, the senior pastor sent me out to visit a former Marine who was in the hospital. And he had diabetes, severe diabetes. And he had had his leg amputated below the knee, and he had just had the surgery to amputate the second leg below the knee. And I walked into that hospital room, and I thought, well, he doesn't know me. He's never seen me before. My first day as a pastor, so I wore my clerical collar. And I walk into the hospital room. And how many of you have been chewed out by a Marine before? <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go, yeah. There, there are words put together that I didn't even know you could put those words together. And um, lots of multiples of four-letter words, all strung out in one, one long verb, I think it was. And I'm like, I'll come back, you know? And I started walking out, and he goes, no, no, I'll get back in here. And uh, we became really good friends. But he was mad at God. And it's hard to yell at God, but he could yell at me, so he picked me. And there's anger there, because there was a loss for him, a huge loss. And the relationship, there's a relationship loss. That's when the nasty emails start going out, you start recruiting people for your side, and you start getting, growing up for battle, because there's a loss. But the third stage is bargaining. Start making bargainings. Maybe you're trying to bargain with the other person. Hey, I'll change. It's going to be better. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Just let's fix things. Let's return back to normal. People bargain with God. I'm going to go to church every Sunday, God, if you reverse this loss. <clears throat> you start enlisting other people to talk some sense to that other person or former co-workers to talk some sense into the boss, or whatever it might be. There's a bargaining process going on. And the fourth stage is depression. Dr. Kronberg, she writes this, Depression, like anger, also surfaces in many different forms. For example, feeling tired all the time, not wanting to do anything but lay in bed, feeling disconnected from people even when you're with them, being on the verge of tears most of the time, Trouble sleeping or sleeping too much. 
loss of appetite or overeating, increase in drug or alcohol use, and the big one, hopelessness. And hopelessness is the most pervasive and debilitating. It is the thing that leads us to believe nothing will ever be or feel different than it is right now. And hopelessness makes it feel like you will never move on and that nothing will ever work out for you in the future. And this is the most dangerous phase because it's the easiest one to get stuck in. And you get stuck in that depression phase and what happens is, is your brain stops producing the chemicals for joy and happiness and starts producing the ones that increase sadness and sorrow. And over time, your brain can get kind of addicted to those chemicals. So a person who is clinically depressed can't snap out of it. They, they can't. They physically can't. You tell them to think happy thoughts, and it's physically, physically hard to change their thoughts because they get stuck. And so depression is the most dangerous phase. But the next one to get through depression is acceptance. And this phase comes gradually. There's um, a sense of peace within the sadness of the loss. There's a sense of, of moving forward past the loss. If the grief is a result of losing a loved one, uh, there are sweet memories and even happy tears. If the grief is a result of a loss of a relationship, you're able to accept the, the sweet times, the good memories, and by the grace of God, forgive the bad, or start to forgive the bad. And you're on that forgiveness process. It's acceptance. And for the past over 40 years, this has how people in the Western world have been dealing with grief and loss, we have this mindset of this is how it goes. And it's not in a nice sequential order. It's not like you go, I'm in the denial phase, and then I go to the anger phase, and then it, you jump back and forth. It ebbs and it flows. And sometimes you go from, from bargaining back to denial, or from depression, and you get angry again. But there's a general moving through this process. And that's how we've been thinking about grief for over 40 years. But there's just one problem. It's completely wrong. I shouldn't say it's completely wrong, but I should say it's, it's wholly and completely and utterly incomplete. So jump back to our text for today. And this is what Jesus has to say about grief. He says this, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to acceptance? No. Your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And so with you. Now it's your time of grief. But I will see you again. And you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. The final stage of the grief process is not, oh well, I accept it. 
the final stage of the grief process is joy. And it's joy because and solely because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus is the reason that you can have joy in it. The business of heaven 
God's purposes in this world and God's purpose for your life is not that you become good little boys and girls. The purpose of God in this world and in your life is that you might have joy. It is joy in the resurrection. It is joy through the resurrection. It is joy because of the resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus is the invasion of God into this world to make things right. A lot of times the resurrection of Jesus is compared to the battle of D-Day. At D-Day, that critical battle in World War II, it took place on June 6, 1944, when British and American forces and Canadian forces invaded the Normandy beaches of France. And under huge, huge loss of life, gained a foothold in Nazi Europe. And from that point on, World War II was as good as over. The Russians were advancing from the east, British, American, Canadian forces from the west, and the war was as good as over. The end of Nazi power was, was done. Almost. See, the war still went on for another year. And thousands, hundreds of thousands still lost their lives. But the war was as good as over. And in the same way, Jesus' resurrection is his victory over sin and death and Satan. And one day, that victory will be final. And one day, as Revelation chapter 21 says, that God will be their God. And there will be no more tears or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The result is joy. One day, every grief, one day, every loss will turn to joy. And every loss you've experienced, every heartache you've had, every grief you suffered will be all the more sweeter as you experience that joy on that day. And all creation will celebrate that day. And there'll be joy. The resurrection. The resurrection is an assault. It's Jesus' assault on death, on cancer, on heartache, on racism, on tears, on death itself, on violence. The resurrection proclaims to every loss, this is not the end. On that day, Romans 8 puts it this way. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No! And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither height nor depth, neither angels nor demons, neither death nor life, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers in anything else in all creation will be able to separate you. From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. The business of heaven is joy. I want you to think about, think about a, a joyous celebration. Maybe, maybe a birthday. Maybe, maybe Dave hit that button, a Super Bowl celebration. That was a joyous celebration, right? Get together for a celebration. Maybe even a wedding. The joyous time. 
and you gather together and you celebrate someone else, right? That's what every celebration is about, a birthday party. You gather together like, we're going to celebrate you. Because something joyous has happened in your life and we are excited. And we celebrate with you. We have joy because of your joy. We have joy because of your victory. We have joy because of your celebration. We have joy because of what you have done and what you have accomplished. We have joy. And that's what God's purposes is all about. That one day, God will call us together and our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world from every time and age and culture. And we will celebrate Jesus. We will celebrate Jesus and his victory. And we will have joy. My friends, my prayer is this, is that your joy is not something off in the future, but that joy is with you here and now because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. That he rose from the grave for you. And that one day, every loss is reversed. And your joy is all the more sweeter because of it. My friends, this is heaven. This is the resurrection power of Jesus. This is joy. Are you grieving? Have you experienced loss? It will turn to joy. Amen? Amen. Some folks here are experiencing it right now. And Lord, um, we go through those stages. We pray, Lord, that you would walk with us through denial and anger and bargaining and depression and acceptance. But because of you, Lord, we are thankful it doesn't end there. But rather, ends in joy. So Lord, may the power of your resurrection indwell in every loss and every grief until you come. We trade those sorrows for your resurrection, for your joy. In your name, Jesus. Amen.